Good morning, Boker Tov. Thank you for joining again together. Learn, even if it is over technology for now, but spending Wednesday mornings together is always a privilege and a pleasure. And I look forward to when we will be able to do so in person with coffee and donuts, and of course, having just uh, finished davening together. Ten minutes of meaning for the year has been generously sponsored by Chani and Lenny Grunstein in memory of Chani's father, Mr. Aaron Tambor, Aaron Ben Yitzchak whose neshama should have an aliyah. We are learning Mesila Sisharim, the great formula of the Ramchal, of Moshe Chaim Lutzato, who charted a, cor- a course forward for us about how to live the best version of ourselves, how to tap into our greatest potential, how to live our best lives, how to express the best within ourselves. And that's frankly what the time we're living in so desperately needs. We remain in quarantine. We're still on top of one another. Many are trying to balance work, home, homeschooling, and so much more, and it's testing. It's truly an incubator that's testing all the things we've worked on our whole lives. Will we lose our cool? Will we blow up and get angry? Will we be envious of others who seem to have it so much easier? Will we be arrogant and insist the home has to, everyone has to fall and step and work exactly our way? Will we be humble? All the different areas of our life that hopefully throughout our lives we've been working on, this is a pressure cooker sort of testing all those qualities Will we come through? Is this the best version? Are we achieving our most? Are we actually growing from this experience? Growing ourselves, growing closer with others, and growing closer with Hashem. So the entire Mesila Sisharim, based on the statement of Rav Pinchas ben Yair, is how to achieve human perfection. We began with Zahirus, a life of mindfulness and vigilance and caution. How we can be present and conscientious in every thought and speech and action. Which sounds like it should be a basic human function. Think before you speak. Think before you do. It's hopefully what we were taught since we were young children. It should be obvious and basic only. It's not. Look how many relationships have been sabotaged. Look at people's own personal health and wellness that's been sabotaged. Look at the things we say that we don't mean to or shouldn't. Look at people's own lives that have been ruined because we fail to really be conscientious, conscious, mindful, to be intentional with what we think and what we say and what we do. If only we would learn how to pause and reflect and consider for a moment before we run in to do something, our lives would be so much better. Zahirus. And then we move to the character trait of Zerizus, alacrity and zeal and enthusiasm. How to set goals with ambition and aspiration and then pursue them, not just as a wish, but making a resolution and a plan, figuring out how we'll measure and track our progress, how we'll celebrate our success, Zerizas, to live a life of alacrity and zeal. And that has brought us up to this third character trait called Nikias. Nikias literally means cleanliness. But what the Ramchal drives at is it means don't just confront temptation and try to overcome it, eliminate it, purge it from our own repertoire, from our own instinct, from our own intuition. Don't even be drawn to think, to do, to look at, to go, to say the thing we shouldn't. It's one thing to be drawn and to have a self-awareness that I'm engaged in that battle, that conflict, and to have the wherewithal, the courage, and the resolve to defeat the temptation. And it's another to set my standards so high, to make my own ideals and my own drive and my own lifestyle conform to what's right and what's best so much so that I don't even have temptation. And in that world of Nikias, we spent all of our time until now, until now I'm just reviewing, talking about Gezel. Because the Gemara says, Rov Begezel, that most people struggle every day with having integrity and being honest. You'll say, what are you talking about? 
Who's breaking into their neighbor's home? Who's reaching into their wallet or pocketbook? Who's stealing from somebody else? Of course we have integrity. The answer is, and we spent a lot of time, we're not going to review entirely now, we struggle with that integrity. If we say, I'm going to meet you at a certain time, or I'm going to call you at a certain time, and we fail to do so, if we run late, we've stolen someone's time. If we don't come through on our promises, we've stolen someone's trust. If we abuse the copier at work, or we make long distance calls in the old days, or when we are recording what we're billing our clients, we round up instead of rounding down or being entirely accurate. If we oversell and under deliver the product or the services that we offer. And there were countless other areas where Rove Begezel, if we think about it, every day most people struggle to be entirely accurate, honest, have integrity. Do we exaggerate our story? All of these are areas of honesty. And today we move over to the second area. What the Ramchal says, basing himself on a statement of our rabbis, the rabbi said, Rov Begezel, most people have trouble having honesty and integrity. And the next category that we struggle with is Arayos promiscuity, sexuality. There is a basic human drive. God simply created humanity to have this drive, to be drawn to sexuality, to promiscuity, to the pleasures of the flesh. They too are an appeal, they're draw, and they are second only to honesty and integrity. Now, now is not the time, but I challenge you to think about to interesting consideration. Is that an accurate assessment in our time? The Rov Begezel and Mute Barayas most have trouble with honesty and integrity, and it's only a minority that struggle with promiscuity. Are there factors in our time which perhaps have reversed that? The internet, the access to imagery, the access to acting out, uh, the proliferation of addictive behavior, um, the stress in which we live under that has caused people to have challenges in this area in their life, and so much more, perhaps it's changed. But nevertheless, Chazal were right to identify two of these as core human drives, the need for money, and therefore the drive for gezel, and the need for for Arayos promiscuity. And if you want to work on purging this from ourselves, if we want to perfect ourselves, if we want to be as elevated and enriched as as uh, most perfected version of ourselves as we can, then we need to not only overcome the urge or struggle to act out in this area, we need to eliminate it to the best of our ability altogether. And this is a erva that one shouldn't come close to revealing uh, erva, to uncovering nakedness, it means that there's a boundary. This is where we left off last time. A person shouldn't say to themselves, here's the edge of the cliff. You know, actually acting out fully, actually engaging in the full act of, of immorality, of promiscuity, of licentiousness and lewdness. That's what's prohibited. But up until the edge of the cliff, up until that line, who does it harm if I look? Who does it harm if I think? Who does it harm if I fantasize? Who does it harm if I flirt? Who does it harm if I seclude myself with someone of the opposite gender? If I don't fall off the edge of the cliff, if I make it just up until then, who does it harm? Can't you look but not touch? Can't you think but not act? Can't you? Our rabbis, the Torah itself, God, who designed us, knows so much better. Imagine, somebody designs a technology platform, someone designs a device, and you think you're going to know better than them, you're going to outsmart them about how to best use it, how to best utilize it, how to avoid damaging it, and they say to you, look, buddy, I programmed it, I built it, I invented it, I designed it, 
I know intricately the details of how it works. I know the viruses that will bring it down. I know what will make it overheat. I know what will make it implode. I know what will sabotage it from working. I know, I built it, I designed it. God says that to us. He says, I know, you're, I know you better than you know yourselves. The human psyche, and not all of humanity are the same, just as our appearance differs, so to our personalities and our drives differ. But the universal human drives, God says, I've designed you, I built you, I know what makes you tick, and I know it's going to bring you down. And therefore, one of the things I know is, when this drive kicks in, you lose your judgment. You lose your ability to think. In fact, your judgment and ability to think become so distorted and perverted, literally and figuratively, that you actually use that ability to think to rationalize the very behavior that's going to destroy your lives. And if you look at me, what is he talking about? He's nuts. Can't people behave themselves? Can't we be dignified? Can't people control themselves? I encourage you to simply look around the world that we're living in. Look at men and women of great distinction of success, brilliant minds, geniuses, accomplished personalities and leaders in every other area of life. And yet this drive so clouded their judgment that it made them believe that they were above the law or they can get away with things. What makes an elected official who has great oratory skills, who's bright, what makes them think that tweeting or sending pictures of themselves from a locker room is an intelligent thing to do? What makes someone think that certain behaviors in an Oval Office or in a White House is not going to come and catch up with them? What makes celebrity athletes think that they can act above the law and without reproach with anyone anywhere and that it's not going to bring them down? How could a freeze the frame of any one of those individuals and say, do you think this will end well? Do you think that this is not going to destroy your life? And a person who would analyze that objectively, of course, would come to the conclusion it will be disastrous. The problem is that's the power of this drive, that in that moment it says, stop thinking, stop thinking. This is what you want. You deserve what you want. And now, in fact, conform all your thoughts to only support to get what you want. And any thought against that, turn it off. Stop thinking. Halt your judgment. That's the power of this drive. God knows it. And therefore, God says, once you get to that moment, once you're in that situation, it's too late. Ramchal says we have so much to learn in this area from the precedent of the Nazir, the Nazarite, the individual who takes a vow not to uh, drink wine, not to cut their hair, not to have contact with impurity, with Tumah. Now points out the Ramchal, Ramosha Chaim Lutzato, the Nazir's vow is not to drink wine, and yet we don't let him eat or her eat, a woman could be a Nazir too, we don't let them consume any grape product, fresh or dry grapes, grape juice, any derivative of grapes, so you'll say, well, what's the problem? Why can't the Nazir enjoy a nice cluster of grapes, lie on the couch and have someone feed them the grapes? They're only prohibited from drinking wine. The vow was to abstain from drinking wine. What would be the problem with having grapes? So the Ramchal says, no, God understood the human nature. If you eat a grape and you have the taste that's similar, that reminds you of wine, you're going to come to consume wine. If you give an inch, we're going to take a mile. We know how the Yetzirah, that drive works. If it tastes the prohibited taste, it just wants more. It's not satisfied. 
ויעזר לימוד שלימד התורה לחכמים, איך יעשו הם סייג לתורה במשמר שנמסר בידם, לעשות למשמרת, כי ילמדו מן הנזיר לסר בעבור עיקר כל דם מילה. We learn from the paradigm of the nazir and we apply it to every area of life, that don't give an inch or a person will want the mile. We know what the rabbis, they put a fence around the Torah. And by the way, this is not a rabbinic idea. It's not a Jewish, uniquely Jewish idea. I always give the example. Why is there a stop sign at an intersection? To protect our lives. Without the stop sign, we'd fly through and there'd be head-on collisions. We would literally die. So why don't we put the stop sign exactly on the corner, right at the intersection? The answer is because people tend to roll through a stop sign. People t- tend to see the stop sign and not stop before the stop sign. They stop at the stop sign. And if they're distracted, maybe a little bit after the stop sign. So therefore, American law, we place the stop sign before the intersection, knowing that if in fact we roll through it, our lives are still saved. We won't have yet that head-on collision in the middle of the intersection. Why? Can't people control themselves? Can't they break in time? Can't they stop? Before they get to the intersection, the answer is when your life is on the line, when innocent lives are on the line, children in the back of a minivan playing on their way to school, we don't trust you to always get it right. People are distracted, they're tired, they're aloof. And therefore, we put the stop sign a little before. We create a siag, a fence. We put a buffer and margin in order to protect us. And God says this area, which can so undermine and destroy your life, you can cause such pain to others and violate their trust. You can ruin everything you've built your entire life. We can't afford to tell you, yeah, come right up until, come close and then stop. We know that's not how the drive works. So the rabbis put the stop sign several feet before. And the rabbis say in this area, just like the Nazir who's not allowed to drink wine, we also say you can't eat a grape product because if you eat grapes, you'll come to drink wine. So too in this area we say, don't seclude yourself with someone of the opposite gender whom you're not related to. Why? Not because you can't control yourself. Not because we're trying to put women in an inferior position. They can't have access and being alone and so on. Not because we're trying to discriminate trying to protect and preserve and elevate the opposite. We know that once you're in that, in that situation of temptation, we know you're secluded, the door is locked, you're attracted to one another, there's an energy, there's a romance. We know that it's too late. Your human brain has turned off. You say, what are you talking about? Women in particular will say of men, well, the human brain has never turned off. Just control yourself. Look around the world. We have obesity, we have, we have every area of people struggling. We can either acknowledge the reality of the way we were designed and therefore make our lives strategically adapt to the way we're designed so we can live our best selves, or we can continue to be in denial of it, not have those extra buffer margin protective measures, and then see what happens in a world like that. What happens are inappropriate relationships, what happens are destroyed lives, what happens as well even as a Me Too movement, not to... God forbid, uh, let, the, let off the hook the perpetrator or blame a victim, but to suggest that given that's a human drive and we need to protect people from it, let's set up parameters that protect people from it. And that's what the Ramchal is telling us, to live the best version of ourselves and to be able to elevate ourselves so we're not struggling in an area where universally humans struggle. Don't wait to be in that position and think you're going to triumph and overcome. You need to protect yourself in advance by setting up protective measures. Please, God, we'll begin with this next time. Have a wonderful day. Living with Amuna begins in 15 minutes.